Thanks, guys. Well, today we wrap up this series that we've been going through called A Seat at Your Table. And that's what we have right here today. A seat that it's a table for two prepared in the presence of our enemies. And um, it's a table for two because there's a spot for you and there's a spot for the shepherd. And we've talked about a lot. And we've taken Psalm 23 and we've uh, matched it up with uh, the book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table, that Louis Giglio wrote. And uh, we've been in different places in Scripture. But we learn that the Lord is our shepherd. And the tools that, that the enemy uses of of fear and worry and temptation and insecurity and uncertainty to break us down so that we have a different shepherd, that we follow someone else. And then we talked about the lies that the enemy uses, these lies that it's always better at somebody else's table. You know, the grass is always greener. And the lie that you're just not good enough. You can't handle it. You're just not good enough for God. And everything is hopeless. That's another lie we're told. And everyone is against you. That's, that's the lies of the world. That's the lies that the enemy shares with us. Then we talked about how sometimes we can be our own worst enemy. That the, the enemy's goal is this is actually just one person sitting at the table. And that you're all alone. That we move from we lead, that we're in control of our lives, to he leads. And that he is in control, that he surrendered, that we surrender to him. And we do that because he does all the work. David tells us he does all the heavy lifting. He makes us slide down. He leads us by still water. He restores. He guides. He comforts. He prepares. He anoints. He provides. There's nothing in there that has anything to do with us other than we follow the shepherd. And then we talked about how we can know about God. We can know the things uh, that God does. We can see it happen. We know the statistics. We know the facts. But we don't, we, we don't always know, know God. We, we want to move from knowing about God to knowing God. Because God wants to be known by us. And then last week we talked about the story of grace. And we walked through um, how Jesus came to have a relationship with us. That the Old Testament kind of focuses on the rules that it took to get Jesus here, but Jesus focused on the relationships that is important, that God wants to have a relationship with us. And it's, it, it was evident from the beginning of the story of grace that even before he had a relationship with us, God was seeking us. He wanted us. In, in you know, the Garden of Eden, we, Adam and Eve, they sinned. That separated us from God. And because of Jesus now, we can have a relationship. So as we uh, take one final look at Psalm 23, what it means to sit at this table in the presence of our enemies, let's read it one more time. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So as we wrap this time together, it's been six weeks. Uh, it's been, we've packed a lot into it. I hope that it was helpful at some level, right? That's, that's my hope every week, that uh, as we gather um, in this worship experience, that the content is helpful, that um, it's applicable to everyday life, that it, that it can be applied to the things that you're going through, that it causes you to think about who God is in your life and what He's doing in you and through you. I hope that happens for you at least every now and then, right? Now, part of that is us. We have to come with our stuff and uh, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us today. So um, we're going to look at the beginning and the end, kind of a bookend approach to Psalm 23. That we go from, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. All the way to the end of verse 5, my cup overflows. I lack nothing, my cup overflows. They are similar, but they're not the same. David talks about uh, how his, his shepherd, how the Lord provides for him. In, in this long list of things we talked about already. Um, he does not shy away from the bad things that happen to us. You know, the whole valley of the shadow of death thing, that's no fun. Nobody wants to go through that, but God goes through it with us. And um, by the end of the passage, you know, we go from I lack nothing, and we hear about the valley of the shadow of death, but we don't have to fear because he's with us. We go all the way to my cup overflows. A life of abundance. That's what we're looking at. Abundance. When the Lord is our shepherd, we live in abundance. But the enemy is trying to get a seat at our table, right? In the presence of our enemy. We're right there. He's telling us everything about everything that we lack. About what's missing. There's a hole in there somewhere. And he wants to find it and exploit it. But David tells us in Psalm 23, if the Lord is your shepherd... You don't lack anything. Later on, he tells us that your cup overflows. That means that there's abundance possible in our lives. The enemy, he gains the seat at our table when, when we allow him to win the battle for our mind. Because the mind is what triggers everything in our heart, right? A lot of people, um, that's the difference between knowing about God. We know about God in our head. We know God in our heart. And he tells us, the enemy will tell us, listen, you lack, your life, it, it lacks something. It lacks importance. It lacks friendship. It lacks relationship. It lacks money. It lacks um, certainty. All those little things that the devil will tell us that are lies, he wants to, us to live from this mindset of lacking rather than a life of abundance. He tells us that you're operating from a place of defeat. Like, there's no chance for you. And there's no way out. So the question is, do you listen to that voice? Do you ever listen to that voice? Have have you convinced yourself that you just have no value? Because uh, maybe a spiral of sin that you're participating in right now. 
maybe things you've done in the past. Maybe uh, you're listening to the voice of fear and the things that are going on in our lives that are out of our control. Maybe you're crippled by all the insecurities that surround you. If you are, if you're there, the enemy is sitting at your table. He's got control of what's going on in your mind. And those are lies, right? That's, we don't live from a lifestyle of lacking. We live from a lifestyle of abundance. That's what God wants for us. And if we can win this battle for our mind, we can move from a life of defeat to a life of victory. One of abundance. So, because, you know, the enemy, he knows he can win the battle for our mind, but he goes after us because he knows his cause is lost, right? Remember, Satan knows that he's defeated. Jesus took care of that on the cross. He defeated hell and sin and death forever and ever on the third day when he rose again and paid the price for my sins. That defeated Satan, and he can do nothing to restore himself, so he just tries to destroy everyone else's life around him to keep us from the path of righteousness that the shepherd wants to lead us down. And he'll plant these seeds in our mind. He'll plant um, this, these ideas of that we're lacking something. What we don't have is more important than who we follow. We see this in the Old Testament, and one example happens in Numbers. Um, I know that you probably hang out in the book of Numbers all the time in your devotional life. So we want to turn there today. Uh, no, uh, numbers, I almost said November. Um, numbers, chapter 13, if you want to find that in your scripture, you can. If not, that's fine too. I'm going to read it to you. Um, I'm going to find it. It's page 150 in my Bible, um, if you have that one. But in Numbers 13, Moses is commissioned by God. Moses, they've, they've, uh, the Israelites, they've come out of captivity from uh, Egypt, and Pharaoh let his people go, right? And they wander around, they go through the Red Sea, and God provides for them, and, and they wander around for 20 years for this promised land that has, has been given to them. And um, he's... Uh, they, they get to the edge, the Jordan River, and God commissions Moses to deploy a group of people to explore the land of Canaan. And uh, that happens in Numbers chapter 13. We're just going to read these three verses. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe send one of its leaders. So, the Lord's command, so at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. We notice the most important seven words of these three verses. Okay? Which I am giving to the Israelites. Who was saying this? God. God promises you something. What's going to happen? He's going to do it. Right? God is already... He's ready to do all the doing. It's already in motion. He's taking care of it. He just wanted, basically, he just wanted everybody, send those 12 spies in, 
And let's figure out, okay, hey, where's the water, our water supply? How are we going to use this to our advantage when we're conquering the armies of whoever? And um, let's just get the lay of the land. We don't want to fly in blind and just take over. Now, that's something that God could do. He could just go in and wipe them all out, right? But he was, he was using the, this time, these 12 guys, to go in to get some, some, do some recon, see what it's like right? Because they've never been there. But the enemy planted a seed in the, sp- in the mind of the, sea, uh, of the spies, right? They, they sent in, and ten of them, ten of them allowed that, that the enemy a seat at their table. And they choose fear and uncertainty over a promise from God. It says it right here, the which I am giving to the Israelites. It doesn't make it any more plain, God's giving it to him. It was the promised land, E.D. It wasn't just promised land, okay? It was promised some six, seven generations before when God talked to Abraham and made a promise with him that he would make his nation great. And he had this land flowing with milk and honey. It was a promised land. So these spies, they go in. They didn't, they were spies. We call them spies. They were just going to figure it out. And they come back with a, a negative report. So they didn't go to the foreign people of the land of Canaan and say, and just interview them. Uh, hey, what's, what's the best, where's the best place to go? They didn't have Facebook, you know, Emporia area chat to find out who to who go get your dogs groomed at and all those things, right? Um, and we can't sell that dog hair if we're in Delaware. Remember last week? Just saying. But they didn't go and interview them. They, they went and they looked it over. And uh, they come back and they report to Moses. Ten of them. There's no way. There is no way that we can defeat these people. Where'd that come from? That didn't come from God. God said, I am giving to the Israelites. Send them to the land which I am giving them to the Israelites. So it wasn't God. The enemy won the battle for their mind. That those people were never allowed to experience what God promised them. They went in with a mindset of lacking. They saw walled cities and giant people in unfamiliar territory, and they were like, no, we can't do that. God, did you see the size of those people? Moses, there's no way. They have walled cities that they can't be, we can't get over those. We don't have the resources. We don't have, we don't, we don't, we don't. What does that say? I lack. God promised. All he wanted to do, and Caleb and Joshua, they come back, right, with this big old thing of grapes, um, and they saw the abundance they were jacked up. Hey, it's time. God's promised us this land. It won't be easy, right? There's a valley of the shadow of death for a reason. We need rod and staff Jesus for a reason. And they were ready to use that. Joshua and Caleb were. They looked at it from a mindset of abundance. And it all started, but, but the tin won out. Like, we can't do this. And because of that, back to the wilderness for another 20 years. And they all died and didn't have the opportunity to get what God promised them. How often do we miss what God has promised us? Because we look at life from a mindset of lacking rather than what God has already promised us. 
And it starts with the seed of doubt in, in their minds. And they didn't choose the Lord to be their shepherd. They operated from a mindset of lacking. And, and listen, when God promises, it, it, it's real. And we need to follow. There's another example. We talked about it last week um, in the Garden of Eden. That there was a seed of doubt that was placed in Adam and Eve. And they were living in a life of abundance, right? They had everything that they needed. And they chose that lie. You know that lie that it's always something better you're missing. They had this mindset of lacking. That didn't come from God. That came from the enemy. But they, they, they were in this battle for their mind. They, they saw it as lacking. And we know how it all ended. That sin enters the world and we're separated from God. And just like we talked about last week, um, he wants that relationship with us. And he makes that happen through the story of grace. And now, listen, this message is not about um, a prosperity that, that God will supply just based on if you do this, God will do this. That's not the idea at all, okay? Because God's already promised it, okay? This is about God doing what he said he would do. And before, even before we engaged in a relationship with him, he is going to do what he said he was going to do. And David tells us, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. It's an example of, of living this life of abundance. If you, if you lack nothing, we're not quite here. Abundance is what you need. It's what you have to, to maintain, to live. You have what you need. And you talk about when we uh, you know, ask kids, do you need that or do you want that? Because there's a lot of things we want, but there's a lot of things that we don't need, Right? So we, just because we lack nothing doesn't mean we have abundance yet. And he goes on to tell us, he makes us lie down in green pastures. He's looking out for us, right? He doesn't, uh, when we don't know when to slow down ourselves, he's going to make time for that. He's going to show us when we need to do that. He leads me beside still waters. He knows when we need some peace and calm in our life and we have to take a step back. And he finds a place in our life for us to rest in him. He restores my soul. God revives and recharges our lives. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. We're not going to go, he's not going to take us down a path that is potentially going to harm us. Rather, he's taken us on the path of right. He prepares a table for us. Even though it's in the presence of our enemies, he prepares a table for us, and we don't have to worry because he is with us. His rod and his staff are there to comfort us. He anoints our head with oil. This is a significant phrase that we kind of, a lot of times, just kind of blow over, right? But think about David, who's writing this. He would understand what anointing means. He was a shepherd, and he was a king. He got anointed himself, but as a shepherd, he would also anoint his sheep with oil. And he knew how important this was. So shepherds in that time, and I don't know if they still do it. I probably should. They would anoint their sheep with oil. They'd pour it on their head, and it protected them uh, for two reasons. One, sheepskin, which even, you know, a lot of our Bibles, they're made out of that sheepskin kind of material. It's super delicate, right? It, 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 and so to protect them from sunstroke, especially if they had just been sheared, they would pour oil on them. It was just, it was sunblock, right? But the other reason um, that they would anoint a sheep with oil um, and it's kind of gross, I'll just be honest. 
um, they, would, they would anoint the sheep with oil and it would run down into the cracks and crevices of their wool and their eyes and their nose. And um, why did they do this? Well, because flies and gnats and other parasites would crawl up, land on a sheep, and they would nest. In, they would they'd crawl up in a, in a sheep's nose and lay eggs. It's nasty. So, and it's very harmful to the sheep. Could kill them, right? So they anointed, they protect, they were protected their sheep. And uh, the shepherd, he anoints our head. The good shepherd. He protects us from all those little things that can do serious harm, that just repel the, the lies and the, the things that the enemy does to try and win the battle for our mind. He provides a way uh, from doubt and fear to even approach our minds. And God does all that. God wants all that for us. He wants that, to, he, he wants that before we even engage in a relationship with Him. When Jesus was on the cross, that was for me. I wasn't around, but He did it for me because He did it for all. And He wants that. He wants to be known by us. When that happens, the result of this relationship with the, the shepherd, what is it? Our cup overflows. Not only do we have what we need, but our heart is full and it overflows. And, and, and David, he doubles up on the reward um, of following the good shepherd. He says, hey, uh, reminds us, listen, if you follow the good shepherd, you'll lack nothing. Why? Because the Lord, who's your shepherd, he'll take care of everything. And he goes through... Um, the, the ideas of leading and providing and comforting. And then he says all this stuff that the shepherd does for us, and the result is not our cup was full, but it overflows. He has more than enough for us. And when we live this life of following the Lord as our shepherd, we live in abundance, an abundance of Christ's love. And the, the overflow is us talking and sharing and living out that lifestyle of abundance of God's love to other people. When the Lord is not our shepherd, we lack. We lack everything, right? You know, uh, you might say, now, you know, plenty of people, um, the, the Lord is not their shepherd and they have enough, right? Celebrities and very wealthy business owners, they're very successful. They have it all, right, supposedly. But they're all lacking if the Lord is not their shepherd, when the Lord is your shepherd, your cup overflows. And the joy in our life, it, it's contagious. And it, it's something that we can't keep in. The testimony of what God does in our lives can be um, earth-shaking and heart-changing for someone else. The testimony of what God does, it, it's tangible to other people. They, because faith is hard. Faith is what we don't see, right? It's confidence of things we don't see. Hebrews 11 tells us that. And that's hard for people. If, if you have no experience with God, they don't see that all the time. So um, the, it, our faith in action, the fruit of that is what our testimony to other people is what can bring people to the feet of, of Christ. So if, uh, if we love that way, 
and um, we allow the shepherd to, to lead us, then we lack no thing. And that's important. We want to live that life of God's abundant love. The enemy, he wants a seat at our table. Right? We've, we've talked about it for weeks now. The enemy wants to win the battle for our heart. And he does that through our mind. And our table, it's prepared in the presence of our enemies. And if we allow the enemy a seat at our table, then we will be lacking. And if we lack enough, and many days in a row, when it's time to stand before Christ, when we stand before God, we don't want to be found lacking. We want to be found in the abundance of His love. If the Lord's our shepherd, our cup overflows. Goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. Well, today, we have another table set before us. And uh, this table is set in the presence of our Savior. This table is set as a a constant reminder of the relationship that God wants with you. So today we're going to, we're, we're sharing in communion, and here at Emporia First and in the Nazarene Church, we, um, we practice open communion, which just simply means you don't have to be a member of our church or our denomination to, um, to partake in communion. That's, that's not what we believe in. And today is all family worship, um, and if you're a parent of a kiddo and you don't have them with you, um, first of all, they're not being watched, so watch out. Second of all, this is probably a good time to have them with you. And I leave it up to you that if they're ready to participate in communion, then that's a great thing to do as a family. And maybe if, if they're not ready, that will spark a conversation later so they can become ready. And if you're not sure about communion at all, Maybe you're not quite there with God, and maybe He's not your shepherd yet, and and all those things. There's no pressure for you to participate. We want you to be comfortable. Most importantly, we want you to be comfortable in how you see God and and how you believe in Him. So there's no pressure. The plates will go by. You don't have to take it. That, That is your choice. We just ask that if you participate, that you profess to be a Jesus follower that you, you follow, and that you're serving Him as your personal Savior. So communion is a sacrament, which is just kind of a fancy word that, that means symbol, okay? And we have juice, and we have little wafers, and they're, they're a symbol of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It reminds us in our head and in our heart of the brutal beating that Jesus endured and how his body was literally broken for us it reminds us of the blood that was that jesus poured out from his hands and his feet from the crown of thorns from the beating he took on his back and to the wound that he had in his side that the blood of jesus was poured out for you and for me so this is a reminder of of who jesus is and the purpose for him coming, and the sacrifice that he made just to have a relationship with God possible. Remember, we were separated from, from God when Adam and Eve sinned, and we've all sinned. 
and fall short of the glory of God. And, and Jesus came to make that relationship a possibility again. So today, uh, we're going to pass the elements. If you've been uh, in, 